wanted to have a conversation about listening and uh, how you teach somebody to be a better listener or how we can learn to be a better listener. Um, because in our work, there's, we work with this idea of listening as this dynamic force. It's this dynamic thing that we do that changes that can be challenging moment by moment because there are there will always be things that can distract us and stop us from listening really openly. And that the biggest idea that we work with is that, you know, we, we teach people to tell stories. We are about stories, the outward form of communication. But for us, there is a reciprocal relationship between listening and telling. Mm. So even though we teach storytelling, we always start with listening, which I'm sure that some people think, hang on, I signed up to come on a storytelling workshop mm. and I'm not telling any stories. I'm thinking about how I'm listening and, and what's listening got to do with being a good storyteller. I remember saying just recently, um, and I hadn't coined it quite like this, but it does work for me, this idea of chicken and egg. It's kind of our chicken and egg, listening and storytelling, which one comes first? Because if you're a teller, well, if there's nobody listening, then why would you be telling anything? I mean, if you're a listener, if there's nobody telling anything, why would you listen? So which one comes first, listening or storytelling? I kind of like that. And as you say, in our work, well, listening always comes first because I guess, why, why is that? because we want to create a certain type of listening that is open and generative of stories um, and not too confining that idea that our listening changes shape, as you've touched on really, that our listening uh, is fluid and changes during the course of, or well, moment to moment during the course of a day, and that we can listen very narrowly to things, or we can listen really openly. And so when we're working with stories, we're always trying to create as open listening as possible that allows the most story to be told. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that it, um, it has to start with listening because... I, I, I mean, I completely get the chicken and egg. And in chicken and egg, there's no... Well, you just can't choose between the chicken and the egg. But if I was going to land on something, I've, it feels like, well, as a storyteller, you have to start with listening because it's listening to yourself, to your yes. memory, to your... Uh, to the feeling that's in your body in that yes. in that moment to to what know do you what want it to is. Talk about? Yeah. Yes. Uh, although I don't know because actually, even as I'm saying that, I'm aware that sometimes I can have roughly planned out a story that I'm going to tell, and then I just jump into telling the story. But I, I haven't completely figured it out. No, and but it's I, not about figuring it out. Um, you are listening to yourself um, and. Um, reaching towards what you want to talk about. But if you think about it very um, um, very visually, in a sense, as you step in front of a group of people to speak, their listening comes before you speaking, that you step into a space, their expectation, hmm. their curiosity, 
their anticipation of what's going to come out of your mouth, that's the, that's the listening coming before the telling. Yeah, in that, in, that in, split, in, that. in that split second before you open your mouth to speak, where you, you, where you look at them and you think, oh, yeah, they're smiling at me. It's all going to be all right. Or, oh, my goodness, they look a bit frosty. Or whatever, whatever that, that thought is. Mm. And that has an impact on how you feel. And how you feel has an impact on how, how you do whatever it is you're doing, whether it's purely telling a story or whether it's, you know, presenting something or having to try and persuade, you know, a group of people to do something, whatever it might be. There's... Yes, I, I, I totally agree that, um, well, of course we agree that the listening comes first because that's always how we work. Um, the chicken and egg is a, is a simple metaphor because we know that metaphor, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Um, and I think why it feels useful to just use that is that, as you've said, the reciprocal relationship between the two it's about drawing attention to the fact that there's a two-way dynamic and it's very easy um, for us to think, as we say sometimes, that, oh, well, if I speak really interestingly, then people will listen. But as much as that, we want to get, pe- to get people to think that, well, if people are listening really well, then what comes out of my mouth will be interesting. Yeah, so- and, and that's... Um- you know, when we're creating a workshop and it's our aim to create this optimal environment that people can feel really safe in, can feel comfortable in, mm. uh, it inspires them in some way, they feel free because there's no such thing as failure, it's a creative space. Mm. Uh, and what that makes me think about is how lots of times when we work with people, they say, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to be standing up and talking to a group of people and I can't control how they're listening. They're, they're and going I've to never co- met them before, and I'm, yeah, so and I don't I'd, know what they're listening to. I don't know like, them, yeah. they don't know me. I'm not going to be able to predict what it's like, so what can I do about that? If I, if I want to be um, confident, say, as a speaker then how, how can I manage that? Because I can't, I can't have an impact on, on how they're going to be listening to me. And I think, and, and I get that. I think that's a, um, a valid concern. Although, of course, to my mind, if you just turn up and say, I'm going to tell you a story, or you start telling somebody a story, then we know because of how the way the brain works that even just stepping into a more overt storytelling style actually begins to change how people listen because of all the associations we have with being told stories through our lives. Yes, isn't it the fact that the brain immediately recognises a story? Mm. Um, what what a story sounds like when somebody embarks on, on a storytelling mode, the brain very naturally recognises that. And the chemistry shifts, the listening shifts. I, I noticed it last week when I was running a workshop and I, I don't always say, I'm going to tell you a story. And, and this time I did say, I'm going to tell you a story. And what did you see? And I just saw people... Well, it was like one person just kind of settled in her chair. Uh, I think most most people smiled. As I looked around, there was just like a little exhalation and a little smile because people know, oh, if I'm 
if I'm going to be told a story in this moment, uh, I don't have to do anything. My, mm. my job is to listen. My job is to receive the story. And, of course, it plugs us then into all our m- memories of being told stories, you know, whatever mm. our earliest associations are of somebody telling us a story in whatever form we were told stories. Mm. But it, it, it plugs us back into that love that we have of, oh, in a story, I can step into somebody else's shoes. I can step into another world. I can, I can find myself in a place where I don't know what's going to happen mm. next. And that might feel... Um, slightly scary or it might be feel mysterious or it, it might feel all kinds of things but it's enjoyable because it's it's safe you're held in the story and so it's enjoyable as a listener yes the story structure is a safe structure isn't it it's the once upon a time happily ever after you know to be very simplistic about it, and it's not always happy ever after. It's not always once upon a time, but there's a structure because there's a beginning and then there's an end and there's a wood that we're going to go into, but we know we're going to come out of it. So we have always, from the first stories that we were told, well, that's where we absorbed this structure and learned that I'm going to take you on this journey that might be all those things, scary and in intriguing and enticing and wonderful and we'll come out the other side and you'll still be sitting here with me and it's safe yeah which is making me think about uh this week with coronavirus Mm. and how you know that that's an evolving story this thing is happening all around the world and we don't know where it's going to go so it's a story that actually is 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 not like the boundary of a story that one can tell because in the boundary of a story that one tells we know that the storyteller knows where the story lands and we know that the storyteller is sitting in front of us so no matter where they take us we know that they survive this experience and mm-hmm. here they are so so that shapes the way that you listen to the story a storyteller can take you on a you know really hair-raising journey but you know that they're still sitting there they emerged from it to tell the tale Mm. but we have expert after expert standing up going we don't know where this is going where it could go is or it's or it looks like it's doing this but we really don't know so when you've got somebody standing up and saying that and a politician next saying it's going to be fine it's really hard to um square those two things isn't it Mm. which leads to the fear and the and the kind of uh, panic that you can see. Yeah, and how, and and therefore how we listen to it, because um, I'm listening to a certain amount of news, and then after a while I have to stop listening to it because you're left in a space of not knowing what the end is going to be. Yeah, and also I I can't get too immersed in this story because it's not going to there's not going to be a resolution. I mean there will be a resolution, but it will be happening in real time. So if yeah. I engage with the news about it too much, then I'm just left in a well we don't know. Just keep washing your hands and hoping for the best, which is not the most satisfying place to be left in the story but there's no other option because we're in it in real time i want to come back to this um this uh workshop you did recent last week where you said i'm going to tell you a story and what it made me think about was um you know if we're doing a storytelling workshop 
Um, we're going to are we, are we going to teach people how to tell a story, you know, in a kind of transactional way? Um, here's what you do: A, B, C makes a good story. And uh, I'm imagining that group of people in front of you when you said, "I'm going to tell you a story." Well, they know they're in a storytelling workshop, and there's something pleasurable about. Oh, right. <clears throat> so this is experiential. Actually, it's not just talk, chalk and talk. It's about experiencing a story um, as well as me perhaps learning how to tell a story. So I guess what do I mean by that? That um, it was taking me back to listening and the idea, how do you, how can you teach somebody to be a good listener? You can't tell them. Um, so what do you do? Is it that you, you model it then? It's about modeling listening to somebody. If somebody feels listened to really openly and fully, then that experience of listening allows them to understand what listening is and how it works. Because I'll tell you, I've got one other, <laughs> I've got one other idea that's wearing around my head. In that, I remember twenty years ago, odd um, more, when um, I was going into organisations doing impact coaching and communications coaching um, for executives that idea of teaching active listening and what that looked like was teaching somebody how to show that they were listening, how to give the signals that they were listening. That's not, this is not how we talked about it, but it was about nodding and smiling and keeping eye contact and reflecting back words that you'd heard and um, summarizing back, which were all kind of signifiers of listening. But are they... Do they actually say that you're openly listening to what somebody is giving you? Mm. Or are they just, I'm going to show you that I am? That idea of active listening. And I think that our listening work um, is very different from that because it's not about showing the signs that you're doing it. It's about really noticing what's going on inside your own head when somebody's speaking to you mm. and mm. trying to let go of things that, that crowd into your head so that you can stay present with them. So those are the things going on. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with having an awareness of what the skills of active listening are. Oh, no, no. Um, right. Because to show somebody that you are listening and to in, and to encourage someone and to help them to speak is of course really useful i would say that that what i've discovered is that you know it's almost like well if i if i learn to keep eye contact or to nod or uh to to do any of those things that you might think are well that's an active listening behavior if if i just switch that on then i'll be that's listening enough. Yes, and and I, I guess what I've learned since is that listening is is way more complex than that, and it's much harder than that. Even when we have the best intention in the world, mm -hmm. you know, because very often I I observe that you know when I've told a story and then I you know and then we use that as an examination of how people have listened to the story, so it becomes a diagnostic about not the story, but about mm, how people mm, have listened, mm. that very often people will say, well, I, I knew that I really wanted to listen, and so I was telling myself, you must listen to this, listen, 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 and just telling oneself that or having that message, I really, I've really got to listen up to this, um, is not the same as listening, because all you're doing yeah. is listening to yourself saying, remember to listen. You're not actually really being present with the person who's 
speaking. Um, yes, yes, and you know, it's, it's raising our own consciousness of the fact that we we can listen in in order to li- listen in order to um, listen to take care of somebody or listen to fix or solve or listen um, to counter something that we're here to win listen to listen win. to win yeah and if we yes if you think of um something like twitter which has got a lot of listeners engaging with that but it's really a um it's really a, a medium of uh transmit not receive mm. it's a it's got a load of speakers a load of shouters on it um and there there that's how you that's how you um Identify yourself as a speaker, not as a listener. Yeah, I... What's that making you think about? No, well, well, it was making me think about the original question that you posed, which was about how you teach listening. How is it possible to teach listening by going into a tell mode? And I was thinking about how, how we teach our ideas about listening on our workshop and how what we do is, yeah, we put people into a listening mode so that they can experience their own listening. There's only by kind of paying attention to it because most of the time we don't pay attention to how we're listening. We just take Mm. it for granted that we're listening and we don't notice that maybe what we're doing is just listening to the bit where there's going to be a space and we can respond or, or however it might be. Um, <clears throat> so we put people into a listening mode. They get to notice how they're listening. And then uh, once they've noticed what might be getting in the way of them listening, then they get an experience of, oh, well, now I'm going to really consciously listen having cleared away the thing that might be in the way I'm going to consciously listen to somebody else or I'm going to have an opportunity to tell a story and notice what it feels like to be listened to in a really open way so we it's it's all by practicing it it's all by doing it as opposed to being told although you know of course we uh, bring people's attention to what might be getting in the way. That idea, but, of, but then it's their own discovery rather than just being told. Yes, that idea of consciously listening because it it had the potential to sound a little bit like, um, oh, I've got to listen to this. I've got to listen to this. But actually, really, that con- consciously listening, all it means is that you are continuously noticing the things that are getting in the way because it's. It's very rare that we can, any of us can listen without anything crowding in because as somebody speaks to us, it sparks off thoughts and ideas, memories of our own, takes us into another space, feelings come up, judgments come up, all sorts of things can be happening when somebody else is speaking. And it's not that, um, well, it's acknowledging that it's really hard to ever let any of those things um, Mm, mm. go. They will be there. But just like in any meditative practice, I guess, it's a question of noticing and then letting go. Yeah, and I... I, I mean, think... I'm thinking, as I'm listening to you, what's happening as I'm listening to you speak now, is that I'm thinking, oh, that's making me think about this. That's thinking, oh, what did she mean when she said that? Is that something I want to clarify? Or, you know, so all that is going on for me now, 
as I listen and as I'm speaking, as you're listening to me, um, um, what's going to be useful in this moment so I can really stay present with Jane as she says this and really fully get what she's trying to communicate to me, really give her that open space whilst also noticing that I've got thoughts that I want to express as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I what I think is that um, I don't think I don't know that there's such a thing as being a good listener or being a bad listener because you know a lot of times people say, "Oh, I'm I'm a terrible I'm listener," really bad, yeah. or like if I'm in a rush, I can't listen, or if I'm this, or if I'm that. And I notice that people are really hard on themselves about it. And if we kind of think, okay, you can come on a workshop and learn how to be a good listener. But I think in reality, I don't know that there's any such thing as somebody who is a good listener all the time. Because I think the nature of being human is that, um, well, we are infinitely curious about everything that's going on around us, so that distracts us sometimes. We've all got bodies which have sensations and our, uh-huh. you know, our bodies are kind of giving us, um, you know, we will have physical sensation and we'll be getting messages from our body, so that might distract us. We have phenomenal brains that are capable of multitasking across mm. any number of different thoughts and we live in a digital age which is, you know, pinging and flashing and showing us things so that distracts us um, and our brains process things all the time everything that we listen to you know I can see from the way that you're listening to me now you know the way that your expressions are changing is that you're thinking oh yeah I could I want to say something about that or I do agree <laughs> with that or where's she going with that so so that and there's nobody in the world that that isn't happening to yes so I think to to be a good listener to yourself and to other people is to be compassionate to yourself firstly to know my listening is going to change from moment to moment and probably when people have that I'm a bad listener it's probably because somebody's told them that yeah. You never listen. You're really you bad. You never listener. listen to so, me. So maybe it's not about good and bad listeners. It's um, being an unconscious listener or a conscious listener. And we and let's just be conscious in our listening so that we notice when actually we've got our own thought that as I had then and I'm just like, oh, I'm waiting for the moment when I, I want to express my thought or when our feelings come in or so it's about our consciousness maybe. Mm. Mm. It's really different um, having a conversation with you, knowing that we've both got these, you know, microphones clipped to us, mm. and we're having a conversation, and is being recorded, and that changes the way that I, I, I well, I notice that it changes the way that I listen because what it does is turn on the evaluative part of my listening to myself. So all the time I'm evaluating, is that a useful thing that Dan's just said? And, and oh, does this sound like, uh, you know, it's really in the moment or I've got, you know, notes written down about it or um, is that a sensible thing you've just said or will you listen back to this when, you know, you put it up on your website? You know, it really turns on the evaluative part of my listening and I have to keep reminding myself actually the only thing in this moment that's important is just listening. I don't have to know what I'm going to say. I don't have to plan it. 
I just have to listen to what Dan says and I have to respond to it. Yes, and even without the self-evaluation or the evaluation of what's coming out of my mouth, there's just an awareness that you're not, for me, that you're not the only listener uh, to what I'm saying, hopefully. That there's somebody else there, multiple people... Uh, and so, yes, it's not just me talking to you, because actually, I mean, it's, it's interesting he- hearing, for me, because we, ha- you know, this conversation is unplanned in that we're sharing ideas, but it's not that I don't know where you're coming from. You know, we work together all the time with these ideas. So there's this faceless other listener there as well that we're trying to speak to. Yeah, yes, and who are they, and where are they, and when are they? And, Mm. you know, and maybe it'll be us in 10 years' time listening back to this conversation. And (laughs) what will we think about it? But so, so that is an example of how the listening shapes the telling, even if you don't exactly know what the listening Mm. is, Mm. and and how uh, it's useful in a way, and it's... You know, not useful in a way, because I, where I get to is that actually the only thing that's important is not this, uh, this concept of people listening to this recording, but actually being really present. being present with you in this moment and feeling what I'm feeling and understanding or trying to understand what you're saying and then mm. respond to it. That's, that's, that's the only thing that's important that feels like a really nice place to end and yet there's something else in my head that that I'm kind of interested to say which is picking up on your identification of how we listen to ourselves Um, so yes our listening creates the space for other people to speak it's the space into which people speak, how we listen to them, um, and, but how we listen internally to ourselves. And it's something you said really early on in this conversation. Um, and What did I say? You just identified that as, as when we're talking about listening, it's not just about how we listen externally, if you like. Uh, oh, it's yeah, about yeah, how, it's we how we listen, listen yeah. to ourselves and the impact that it has on what comes out of our own mouths. Yeah, and, yeah the, and chicken, the chicken and the egg, the which is why it starts, to be a storyteller starts with listening. That's right, and you said the listening of yourself, because it's actually not even about the listening to what comes out of your own mouth, because um, nothing may come out of your mouth because of how you listen to yourself mm. internally, mm. what your own listening of yourself is. But And what it made me... Um, think about was a meeting that I was in yesterday and um, you've talked a little bit about clearing listening about uh, that idea of uh, sort of noticing uh, what our obstacles might be what our distractions might be in the moment and then putting them on one side and, and letting go of them so that we can be really present and that's a practice that you and I do we do it Every day that we're working together, we'll do it at some point, and we did it this morning. Um, and once you've done that, the setting of an intention, which is 
um, in place of the obstacles and distractions, you can give yourself an idea which is going to help you stay present. Um, and I remember being in a meeting yesterday and I had set my intention as connection. Hmm. And it was a meeting where there were lots of different um, feelings and ideas um, being kind of um, batted around between the four of us. And some of it was quite challenging as a conversation. And in terms of my own listening of myself, I kept coming back to that intention and I found it really useful. I'd sometimes forget and, and it, my intention, mm. but where I find find it most useful is is in this example of this meeting yesterday, where I just kept coming back to just connect with her. It wasn't you, but this other woman that was in this meeting. Just just connection, 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 and that helped me um, kind of get out of the way of my own listening, really. Mm. Mm. And and that that intention became a real. Um, uh, kind of bedrock for me, if you mm. like, of just staying present, staying true and authentic in the moment, not getting um, activated by anything that was coming up, but just connection is your intention. Use connection as, as a helpful tool. Now. I think mine was listening for the same meeting. And I found that really helpful because every time I thought, I'm supposed to come up with something. I'm, it, it's supposed to be me who's pushing this forward. That actually it was a way of thinking, no, actually, listen, listen to what's happening. And then if, if there is a requirement or you do feel like you can offer something, yeah. then you know that you can offer it from a, you know, it's, it comes from a grounded place and it comes from what's happening in the conversation and in the meeting rather than me just um you know grandstanding it or or you know it, it not being true really to, to the what the conversation is or you feeling actually that what's coming out of your mouth is kind of knee-jerk is re yeah. is reactive yeah. as opposed to responsive is um justifying or yeah exactly or um exactly. What, you know explaining or, um, uh, yes, feeling any kind of pressure on yourself. And, that's, and, and this is where it just comes back to that, that reciprocal relationship because when it might have felt like that you pushed into a space where something is expected of you, actually the best thing to do then is just really open and listen rather than feel you have to mm. jump in.